did it come from? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The podcast from outer space. And here we go. And welcome back, everybody. It's the podcast from outer space. It's your boy, Rob Scott. We got Teabag, a.k.a. Adam Narlock, in the house. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. And as always, it's Ryan Scott. Aloha, ladies and germs. And I uh, just wanted to say shout out to the Loyal Legion. You know, I know we've been on a little hiatus here, but we are glad to be back in the stew once again. Just wanted to wish a happy holidays to everyone out there. I know, you know, Thanksgiving just happened. We got Christmas right around the fucking corner. And, uh, you know, shout out to everyone that's been showing their uh, support to us. We just dropped those new pens online. So uh, you want to check that out, go ahead over to the website. That's podcastfromouterspace.com. But uh, we'll cut the bullshit, get right into it. It's episode 85, and we're talking about the Gorman UFO dogfight, baby. Yes, and can't forget Hanukkah, Rob. And yes, I also want to thank everybody who has showed us support on the new merchandise in the shop. Go check it out if you haven't already. And as Rob said, we are getting into another UFO case here known as the Gorman UFO dogfight. And we are talking about planes, not actual dogs. <clears throat> we do not condone any fighting of actual dogs. Uh, now... So this particular case or incident involved Lieutenant George F. Gorman of the North Dakota Air National Guard, who claims to have had a dogfight in an F-51 Mustang, and that is the plane, not the car, uh, with a UFO on the night of the 1st of October, 1948, over Fargo, North Dakota there. That's where they got the idea for the show. (laughs) I don't think so. Um, However, this became, you know, a widely publicized UFO incident at the time. And according to U.S. Air Force Captain Edward J. Ruppelt, who was part of Project Blue Book, uh, this was one of three classic UFO incidents in 1948 that A, proved to the Air Force intelligence specialists that UFOs were real, and B, helped to shape the UFO phenomenon in the public mind. Now, the other two cases he cites uh, were the Childs-Witted UFO encounter and the Mantell UFO incident. Uh, Now, of these three incidents, I feel like the Gorman one is the most interesting because I was kind of doing research into all three, wanted to focus on one of them. Uh, You know, there just seems to be more jelly in the donuts here, you know? Mm. More, uh, what's another phrase? More candy in the pinata. That's what they say down here in San Diego. Yeah, more beans in the can, you know. More bang for your buck. Yeah, more juice from the squeeze. (laughs) Um, If you will. Um, But, you know, we'll cover the other two briefly for the sake of this episode. Uh, So we got a bit of a three-for-one special here, you know. We'll get into all three. Uh, And this incident, the Gorman UFO dogfight, also inspiration for episode one of the History Channel series, Project Blue Book. You guys seen that at all? I have not. Been meaning to check that one out, though. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty good. It's high, it's high. So, a little bit of inspiration there. Now, as always is the case, you know, stories vary, and what truly went on that night in 1948 is disputed. The official narrative once again passes this one off as a weather balloon. 
However, experts say there are holes to that theory. Now, right up top, I mean, what do you guys stance on UFOs engaging with fighter pilots, vice versa? I mean, this has obviously been going on for a good while. We got World War II with the Foo Fighters, and this is something we've even seen as recently as 2004 with the Tic Tac UFO. So what's our consensus? Like, is it real? Is it not real? Yeah, like, what do you think when you hear that, when you see a credible witness, a Navy pilot come out, or, you know, a a United States military pilot come out and say, we were engaged with this thing for, like, two clicks, Um, we clocked it, doing 60 knots, like, all the official military jargon, you know, what are you thinking? I mean, I think there's enough well-documented sources and, you know, reliable experts to say that it's obviously something that uh, has happened before. Okay, okay. Now, do we want to believe this specific case? We'll get into that later in the episode. But for right now, I'm saying, you know, UFOs are out there, and, you know, it's no coincidence that they run into a couple of pilots out there. Okay. They're Te- both out there, you know, just zip-zorping zip around, as they, <laughs> as they do. As they always do. Now, T-Bag, where, where do we stand? Uh, clearly, anytime these kind of things happen, it's weather balloon or weather-related, obviously. But, uh, I mean, something must be out there because this sounds like the plot to Independence Day, Star Fox, all that other good stuff, man. Okay, so you're on board with these pilots. You're believing the word of these good pilots? Oh, yeah. Do you think the government would lie to us? Okay. Now, do we think the uh, UFOs are just simply fucking with these guys? Like, these guys don't know what we are. They can't. They can't catch us. Well, we'll get into that in our theories because I've got a couple that uh, fall couple in of there. them. Okay. Yeah, we'll get okay. into a couple. I like um, it. But you know, first off, let's get in. Let's get right into these sightings. Nineteen forty-eight. Let's set the scene as we always do. Um, so here we go. You know, close your eyes. And it's nineteen forty-eight. Uh, you know, the war ended a few years back. The Great War. We got Nazi scientists working right here in the good old U.S. of A. We're paying them top dollar to build some rockets. Uh, Japan has been nuked. Gandhi just got murked. Uh, and the Red Scare is well underway. Now, now in- is that us too? Gandhi? Gandhi? Uh, no, he was killed. <laughs> Wasn't Gandhi assassinated by another Indian? That's what they want I thought you to think. British dudes. Uh, yeah, maybe it was. I, I'm not really too sure of that. Maybe that's a future episode if there's any fuckery going on there. Um, but I think it was like Probably religion. S- I think it was religion. Probably some American dude with an Indian accent. No, I, I don't think it with was that. brown face on. Come on, guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of UFOs, you know, we already had the Kenneth Arnold sighting June of 1947 in Washington State. Uh, this was the first widespread sighting in the U.S. Also, I just wanted to say, you know, no disrespect to Gandhi. We're just fucking around. <laughs> okay, so, oh what is he gonna come back and smite you? Is Gandhi gonna yeah, smite you? you? Never know, man. All right, so I got so, the damn Shiva over here looking me in the face right now. Okay, so in terms of UFOs, let's get back to the topic. In terms of UFOs, we already got Kenneth Arnold, uh, June of forty-seven, Washington State. This was the first widespread UFO sighting. Check out that episode if you haven't already. Uh, we've also seen the the Roswell, New Mexico crash, July of nineteen forty-seven. This also made newspaper headlines. 
And it's also another great episode of ours to check out if you haven't already. Uh, so this stuff was in the public eye, you know. It, it wasn't quite what it is today. There wasn't the alien lore associated with UFOs that we think of. Uh, because, you know, a lot of the sci-fi films, they didn't start depicting flying saucers until like the 1950s. Weird until after that happened. Exactly. Interesting. But, mm. but the public was definitely aware of this stuff by way of newspaper and I, I guess radio, if you count the Orson Welles program. Yet another great episode of ours to check out if you haven't already. So We should really start getting the numbers down so you can say, oh, that's episode... 76, go check it out. Well, they can go back and listen to all of them. (laughs) (laughs) And they're not going on a fucking wild goose chase. Now, there's also this uh, Captain Rupert character. Uh, Sounds uh, Russian. Well, we've discussed him before, I believe, in our Washington UFO sighting. Another great episode to check out if you haven't already. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But for those that don't know, this guy was a major part of Project Blue Book. Uh, he basically started on Project Sign, which turned into Project Grudge, eventually becoming Project Blue Book. Uh, these were all a series of top-secret studies on UFOs conducted by the Air Force between 1947 and 1969, all in order to determine if UFOs were a threat to national security. Now, as we are just discussing, you know, there, there were two cases that happened before the, this one, Two cases? Yes, both in 1948 <laughs> that were cited by Rupert as being particularly important to UFO study. And both of these cases happening on U.S. soil? Both on U.S. soil. Actually, all three on U.S. soil, if you can believe that. Uh, now, I can't. Now, the first of these was the Mantell UFO incident. Now, this occurred J- January of 1948, so it's kicking off the new year, right? Uh, and this occurred in the skies over Kentucky. Now, basically... This case, the gist of this case is this. Um, so let me, I'll explain this case to you, and, and you know, you guys just kind of rattle off your thoughts here. So we got a 25-year-old Captain Thomas F. Mantell. He's a pilot in the Kentucky Air National Guard. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, this gentleman's <laughs> flight history consisted of over 2,000 hours flying time, and he had been awarded for his service in the Battle of Normandy during World War II. Hell so, yes. This guy was a fucking ace. You know, this is a regular Han Solo, a regular Dameron Poe. That's his name, right? <laughs> you know, this po guy. Dameron. Oh, Poe Dameron. Dameron. A regular Poe Dameron. Dameron Poe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, this guy was fucking no kidding badass. Uh, now, on January 7th, 1948, uh, at Goodman Army Airfield in Fort Knox, Kentucky, they get a report from the Kentucky Highway Patrol of an unusual object up in the air near Madisonville, Kentucky. Now, eventually, a few other reports come in describing a westbound circular object 250 to 30, 250 <laughs> to 300 feet in diameter. At about 1.45 p.m., Sergeant Quentin Blackwell, along with two other witnesses in the control tower at Fort Knox, reported seeing a white object in the distance. Colonel Guy Hicks, the base commander, reported an object he described as, quote, Very white. It was about fourth the size of the full moon, and it appeared to have a red border at the bottom and remained stationary, seemingly for one and a half hours. Uh, Now, witnesses at Clinton County Army Airfield in Ohio observed the object for around 30 minutes, described the object as, quote, 
having the appearance of a flaming red cone trailing a gaseous green mist. Now, another witness at Lockbourne Army Airfield in Ohio said, quote, Just before leaving, it came very near the ground, staying down for about 10 seconds, then climbed at a very fast rate back to its original altitude of 10,000 feet, leveling off and disappearing into the overcast. Its speed was greater than 500 miles per hour. Now, at this point, there's already four F-51D Mustangs of the 165th Fighter Squadron Kentucky Air National Guard in the air, one of which was piloted by Mantel. Uh, so they get the go-ahead to approach the object. Now, at this point, some sources say that Mantel had described the object as, quote, looking metallic and of tremendous size. But according to Captain Ruppelt, others dispute whether or not Mantel actually said this. Um, so we'll just go ahead and strike that from the record. So Objection. Mant- uh, so Mantel and two other pilots... They engage in a steep pursuit of the object. Uh, The other two pilots later reported they saw an object but described it as so small and indistinct they couldn't identify it. Uh, Now, one of Mantell's wingmen, Lieutenant Albert Clements, had an oxygen mask, but it was low in supply. So he and the other pilot, Lieutenant Hammond, they call off their pursuit at 22,500 feet. But Mantell continued to climb. Now, the Air Force's investigation claims that once Mantell passed 25,000 feet, he blacked out from the lack of oxygen and his plane spiraled to the ground where he was killed on impact. That's what they want you to think. Well, his plane crashed on a farm south of Franklin, Kentucky, on the Kentucky-Tennessee state line, and firemen pulled Mantell's body from the wreckage, discovering his seatbelt to be shredded, and his wristwatch was frozen at 3.18 p.m., the time of the crash. And the UFO was nowhere to be seen. Now, obviously, with the death of Mantell, this is picked up by newspapers around the nation. Uh, And with this comes a number of sensationalized reports about the crash. You know, there was claims that the flying saucer was a Soviet missile. An alien spacecraft had shot down his plane because he got too close. Um, they say some reports said Mantel's body was found riddled with bullets. Um, some say the body was missing entirely. Others said the plane was completely vaporized or the wreckage was radioactive. But there is apparently no evidence to corroborate any of these claims. Now, are these legible news sources releasing this, or is this like some National Enquirer shit where it's like, that bat boy found in cave yeah, after yeah. 100 years? <laughs> Isn't that the World <laughs> Weekly News? I, and I, I think, think it's, it's National Enquirer as well. Yeah, I think it's a bit of both, where it's like some, it's what is it, yellow journalism, or is that something different? Were they embellished? Something else. Okay. That might be something about politics, right? Again, not an English major. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Okay. I think it's like, uh, (laughs) like they're embellishing the story to sell papers. I mean, Uh, some are probably. Most people do. Yeah, exactly. Some are probably credible sources. I mean, look at the news today. It's all over the fucking. Day and age, it's called clickbait. Yeah, exactly. This, (laughs) they had clickbait back then, but it was by, it was extra, extra read all about it. That was the clickbait of 1940s. Well, I'd rather read some clickbait about some guy getting shot down by a UFO than the bullshit we got today oh exactly so these guys were right on schedule <laughs> um now there's so there's no so evidence you're saying it's fake well yeah they, they, these reports like anything i just listed that there is nothing to there's nothing to support that 
There is nothing that that holds up that the wreckage was radioactive. Like the firemen found his body. We know all this stuff from the actual Blue Book reports and from the government documents. Um, but as we said, you know, this is a high profile case. So it's it's investigated by Project Sign. And in this investigation, they come to the conclusion that Mantel had unfortunately been killed by trying to chase the planet Venus. Sounds like a drug problem. Well, at the time of the investigation in 1948, Dr. J. Allen Hynek, who we've discussed on previous episodes, had become a consultant on Project Sign. And at the time, he offered up the Venus explanation. Basically, Venus was visible at that point in the sky on the day in question, and this is what caused the accident. But by 1952, Dr. Hynek had come to dismiss the Venus theory because he says Venus wasn't bright enough to be seen. Also, this was in the daytime that this crash happened in the afternoon. He also says there was a considerable haze present that would have further obscured the planet in the sky. Um, so it sounds like a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's just a, like... Classic also, doctor lingo. Yeah, and know? also we have the fucking report of the the disc being like 200 feet in diameter. You know, that's not going to be Venus. <laughs> Right? That's science's explanation for you. Well, another suggestion by Dr. Hynek became that Mantell probably misidentified a United States Navy skyhook weather balloon. Now, I have a picture of the said Always. balloon. I have a picture of said balloon right here. Yes, he was claiming that in Madisonville, Kentucky, the object in question was seen through a telescope and had been identified as a balloon by at least one observer. Uh, between 4.30 and 4.45 p.m., an astronomer at Vanderbilt University also watched an object in the sky through binoculars, through binoculars, uh, saying that he had seen a pear-shaped balloon with cables and a basket attached. Now, both Hynek and Ruppelt say that the skyhook explanation is most plausible as these balloons were made of reflective aluminum, were about 100 feet in diameter, Fitting the description of the UFO, large metallic cone-shaped craft. Skyhook balloons were also a secret Navy project at the time of the crash, so neither Mantell or any other of the witnesses could have been able to identify the UFO as a skyhook. First off, shout out Vanderbilt University. First university to let a girl kick her play? That's awesome, right, Rob? Yes, I agree. Yeah, didn't she kick it like 20 yards too? Even though they lost <laughs> 41 to nothing, that's not the issue. That's not the issue. That's not the issue. The issue here is progress. And now where do we stand in UFOs? This is sounding all like a whole bunch of gobbledygook. This to me sounds like... Gobbledygool? This, gobbledygool, man. This pilot, apparently, he, he messed up somehow. And the government is trying to come up with a way to cover it up. So they're like, oh, aliens. Oh, it's a planet. Oh, there's, there's too many excuses going on here. So you think that he was just rogue and tripping balls from lack of oxygen and then just crashed? Chasing Venus. Apparently that's the new, that's like, that's like the uh, Tide Pod challenge of the day. Okay. So you think it was in fact, you stand with there was some sort of scientific explanation, whether it be Venus or a weather balloon or something else that he thought he saw and just got too high, blacked out, crashed. And then here comes the government throwing fuel or throwing, I guess, bullshit on the fire. Yeah. Or uh, putting out the fire. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Rob, where do we stand? Well, my only 
disagreement with the weather balloon theory is that if he was going so high up with limited mm-hmm. oxygen that he that caused his plane to crash, I don't think weather balloons go that high up in the air. Oh yeah, don't they? They go all the way to space and then become stars. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. yeah, I mean, you see, dude, Brave Little Toaster too. The balloons oh, are up in space. I should space. just watch Brave Little Toaster. <laughs> and that explains everything I need to know no, no, okay. about UFO theories. I do. Balloons get pretty high, though. Didn't you see that Tame dude. Impala video? Didn't that one dude you're, jump off the balloon? bringing up fictional videos. No, that they attached a camera to a, a weather balloon. And it went way up in the fucking... A weather balloon? Yeah. Okay, I just still don't buy it. Weather balloons are made to go into the upper atmosphere. And you yeah, can't see the upper atmosphere off? with a fucking binoculars from Vanderbilt University. Yeah, I, I think the Vanderbilt thing is maybe he saw it um, at some other point. Hmm. Because, again, this would be, like, for a flat Earth episode, but I think, like, the further you are and something with the curvature and you can see, like, uh, like you know, it's very scientific. I'm not buying it. Okay, okay. <laughs> so you're not buying... Now, T-Bag, what were you saying about a balloon or an upper Also, atmosphere? I feel like... Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off here, but if you're a fucking pilot for <laughs> the Navy, the Air Force, I don't care, you're driving around a fucking fighter jet. And he's got I a think, medal and 2,000 hours. I think you know the difference between a fucking balloon and what you think to be a 250-foot diameter unidentified flying object. And again, we can't we can't make stories here. He didn't identify it ever as a 200 object. 200 Allegedly. Object. That was Struck another record. That Struck was from another the record. <laughs> Objection. Sustained. That Here's was another say. witness. Here's that was say. another witness. Redacted. I'm not, just saying. Now, T-Bag, did you have anything else? Well, no. The, with the weather balloon, remember Red Bull a couple, like 2012, didn't that guy jump from a weather balloon back to the earth? No, dude. That guy I, was I on like a ladder. all bullshit, but he was on a ladder. <laughs> like a fucking, <laughs> fucking ladder from the ground to outer space. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he just climbed like, a really tall ladder. No, no, like it you was ever coming. Seen Santa Claus, the ladder just appeared, and then he just jumped <laughs> off of it. Dude, it was a ladder that was coming off like a basket or something, or a wing. Wasn't he on like a plane uh, from a balloon? <laughs> I don't think it was, dude. But whatever, that's that's hearsay. That's struck from the record. That's not involving this case. <laughs> okay, so where do you stand on it? I think I'm with T-Bag. I think there that this guy probably got mixed up. I mean, he was going into the sun. Head full of acid chasing Venus. <laughs> he had head full of acid. But I'm just saying he was probably he probably got mixed up. Maybe it was Venus, maybe it was something else. You know, maybe it could have been a, a large bird. Uh and he got mixed up. <laughs> what the fuck? I think he just got mixed up, lost oxygen, and crashed, as we know. Um, but I do think like, there's not a whole lot to this one. Like there's no other real, um, there's nothing other convincing me that like, this is for sure a UFO. Like the balloon mm-hmm. theory does stand up. It could have been that, mm-hmm. you know, Just contrary like you to think, contrary to what you were saying. I do think the the balloon could go that high. Okay. I'm getting, see, like I'm getting mixed messages now. Cause like, I, I agree with Rob. Like, I don't think this man saw a weather balloon. But then at the same time, like, I do think weather balloons could go that high. Yeah, this says weather balloons typically reach 60,000 and 105,000 feet. He blacked out at 25,000. So Lightweight. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Let's not fucking, we don't want to slander this guy. Um, You're slandering him saying he's chasing a fucking balloon or a bird. 
That's guy's not fucking, slander. That's what I think happened. Guy's a pilot, okay? <laughs> okay, so we just got to suck his dick. Gandhi and this dick. pilot are going to come back yeah. and kick your guy's asses. I'm not sucking okay. anyone's dick. All right, so we know where we all stand with that one. It's it, it's still a bit murky, though, yes? Yeah. I mean, that's why I've thrown it in here. So now next up, numero dos in these high-profile 1948 Air Force cases mentioned by Captain Ruppelt. We got the child's witted UFO encounter. Now, this occurred in July 1948 in the skies over Alabama. This was seven months apart from the Mantell incident that we just discussed. Uh, now, this one's a bit different um, because in this case, we got two commercial pilots, a Mr. Clarence S. Childs, who was the pilot, and a Mr. John B. Witted, who was the co-pilot. Now, in the early morning hours of July 24th, 1948, the night sky was completely clear and the moon was about four days past full, providing increased visibility. Uh, so these guys are flying an Easter Airlines Douglas DC-3 passenger plane over Montgomery, Alabama at about 5,000 feet. Now, around 2.45 a.m., Childs claimed to have seen, quote, a dull red glow above and ahead of the aircraft, partner. <laughs> he turned to his co-pilot and said, Look, here comes that new army jet job. Now this object, whatever it was, closed in on the plane in a matter of seconds. And both of them claimed to have seen this object whiz past the right side of the plane at a high speed before it pulled up, saying they saw a burst of flame out of its rear as the object zoomed up into the clouds. A real Wiz Khalifa. <laughs> now, now, this is very interesting because usually there's no exhaust or flames reported, yeah, right? Um, usually. So what's our thoughts here? Russians. Okay, okay. Uh, now, the total time they observed this object was about 10 to 15 seconds. Both Childs and Witted described the object as, quote, It had two rows of windows. Out the rear of the ship, red flames were shooting 25 to 50 feet. There was a blue glow beneath the fuselage, and the ship appeared to be doing between 500 to 700 miles an hour. Now, the ship had no wings. It seemed to have an upper deck and a lower deck, and it was fully lighted inside, but we saw no occupants. Now, both pilots also say the object was 100 feet long and 25 to 30 feet in diameter, Torpedo or cigar shape, similar to a B-29 fuselage. A real hog, as they call it down here. Now. Yeah, so that's quite a big hog. And that's <laughs> just like, imagine a B-29 with no wings. Now, only one of the plane's passengers corroborated the story. A-1 C.L. McKelvey also reported seeing, quote, a bright streak of light flash by his window. Now, this case isn't nearly as big as the Mantell incident. However, it's still cited by the Air Force and independent researchers alike, both of whom seem to conclude that the pilots had seen a meteor, possibly a... Mm. Boldy. I didn't even think about that. That's true. Yeah, possibly a boldy, I guess it's called. Baldy? What's it called? A boldy? Baldy? Baldy? Now, Who you call him baldy? <laughs> a baldy. <laughs> uh, and in, <laughs> now, in 1959, Project Blue Book formally stated that a meteor was the cause of the incident. A shooting star, they call. Yeah. Now, thoughts on this case. I mean, what are we thinking? I, I mean, even though they described it with windows, 
Like, do you think that just could have been maybe could part have been of the crystals, or like a reflection? Maybe they saw of their own plane or something. When will that reflection show who they are inside? <laughs> we need to we need to cut out the crystal Pocahontas jib jab and get to the jib jab. Get down to the cold hard facts. You're thinking meteor possible, possible meteor shooting star, as Jiminy Cricket would call it. All right. Teabag, what are we thinking? Yeah, I think Meteor makes the most sense. The whole flame thing is interesting. I I don't think we've talked about any cases so far, to my knowledge, other than maybe like the Foo Fighters. Well, yeah, but did the the Foo Fighters were just like flaming balls. They weren't necessarily, they didn't have, they weren't necessarily flames out the rear like this guy says. That's that's what I'm saying, man. This is really, this is different. Yeah. Flaming Um, balls. And maybe, you know, if we go off the theory of like, Alien, the aliens are also evolving. Like, if this was a UFO, maybe this was like a um, what do you call it? a primitive like alien craft that used exhaust? Yeah, yeah, and now they've got some anti gravity type shit. So you know they're evolving mm-hmm. as well. Um, so now, any more thoughts on that case, or are we jumping? We jumping. Okay. So you know, jumping by this out the gym. So by this point in time, we've got a bunch of cases popping up in the news. There's rumors, speculation um, with the two cases we just discussed, but they're pretty clear cut. You know, there's logical explanations that seem to match up uh, in order to explain or identify the objects that were seen. Uh, I mean, you know, Mentel was the firsthand witness in his case, but poor one out for him. He's obviously dead, so we really can't get his side of the story. And in the child's witted case, the pilots and one passenger are the only witnesses, and they observe the thing for 10 seconds, you know? So there's just not a lot to those cases. Now, what makes the Gorman dogfight especially unique is not only that it was recorded both on the ground and in the sky by numerous reliable sources, but also the length of time the encounter occurred. Now, this is the reason I wanted to mainly focus on this one, as it is Uh, It's just due to the amount of evidence there is, you know, Uh, and the fact that the pilot who engaged with the UFO survived to tell his tale. And, you know, as we say, as us lawyers like to say, it's not what you know, it's what you can prove. Exactly. Uh, Now, so let's get into the Gorman UFO dogfight. This event occurred on October 1st, 1948 in the skies over Fargo, North Dakota. So we've got Mr. George F. Gorman, 25-year-old former fighter pilot who was serving as a second lieutenant in the North Dakota Air National Guard. He was flying a P-51 Mustang on October 1st, 1948. Uh, Now, the other pilots in his squadron landed, landed at Hector Airport that evening. However, Gorman stayed in the air to get some night flying time as the cloudless conditions made for great practice. Uh, Now, he circles over a lit-up football stadium and was preparing to land at about 9 p.m. Now, at this point, he had been notified by the control tower that the only other plane in the area was a Piper Cub. Uh, This is like a little, think like little classic, like Indiana Jones plane, you know? Uh, Now, Gorman could even see this plane was about 500 feet below him. Now, at this time, Gorman witnessed what he thought was the taillight of another craft passing on his right, but the tower had no other object on radar. Now, that scene already is like straight out of a movie. You know, it's like 
panned to him straight out of a movie, panned to him. He sees the other plane below him, the Piper Cub, and then he sees the taillight and he thinks like, oh my God, how did that plane get there so fast? And he looks back down and sees the other plane still there, you know? I I see it. I see it. Yeah. So Gorman sees the thing and he's like, what the hell? You know, I got to take a closer look. So he pulls up, gets to about a thousand yards. At which point he described this object as six to eight inches in diameter, clear white and blinking on and off. As he approached the object, the light suddenly became steady and pulled into a sharp left bank towards the control tower. Gorman tried to catch up with the object. However, it was much too fast. He says that he finally got behind it at around 7,000 feet where the object made a sharp turn and was then headed straight at him. So Gorman is out here playing chicken with the UFO and says just as they were about to collide, he dipped his plane and the object passed over his canopy at about 500 feet. Then it proceeded to cut sharply once again, heading back in his direction. And again, just as they were about to collide, the object shot straight up in the air The object accelerated upward so quickly that when he tried to follow it, his plane stalled at about 14,000 feet. Now, Gorman lost sight of the object at this point, and it was not seen again. But by this point, Gorman had been engaged in aerial maneuvers with this thing for damn near 30 minutes before he landed his plane. Now, he drew a map, which I've got here, of like his maneuvers, and this is like, I cannot comprehend this. But, I mean, you know, it's basically, it did two circles coming back at him. They played chicken uh, quite a few times. He tried to catch it, but it was too fast. Now, once he landed and gave his statement on the encounter, he said that there was no sound or exhaust trail coming from the object. Gorman says that he had reached speeds of up to 400 miles per hour while in pursuit and could not keep up with whatever this thing was. Now, Gorman said in a sworn statement to his commander, I am convinced that there was definite thought behind its maneuvers. I am further convinced that the object was governed by laws of inertia because its acceleration was rapid but not immediate. And although it was able to turn fairly tight at considerable speed, it still followed a natural curve. Now, Gorman also reported that during the engagement, he blacked out temporarily due to the excessive speed he reached in attempting to turn with the object. To this, he said, quote, I'm in fairly good physical condition, and I do not believe that there are many, if any, pilots who can withstand the turn and speed affected by the object and remain conscious. The object was not only able to outturn and outspeed my aircraft, but was able to attain a far steeper climb and was able to maintain a constant rate of climb far in excess of my aircraft. So that's a very cool pilot, by the way. Sounds very, very cool. cool. I was trying like uh, a little uh, <laughs> Christopher Walken JFK mix there. Okay. <laughs> so so <laughs> now other, so we got other witnesses, you know, air traffic controllers, Lord D Jensen, Lord, oh, I mean, Lloyd <laughs> air traffic controllers, Lloyd D Jensen and H E Johnson were both in the Hector airport tower that evening Johnson reported seeing the Piper Cub and the UFO at the same time. He said that this object was moving at a very high rate of speed and was fast enough to increase the space between itself and Gorman's fighter. 
Johnson described the object as appearing to be simply a round light, perfectly formed with no fuzzy edges or rays of light emitting from it. Now, Dr. A.E. Cannon, who was piloting the Piper Cub that evening, along with his passenger, also saw the object, both in the air and once they landed at the airfield. Now, once they land, they immediately pop up into the control tower, and Dr. Cannon described the light as moving, quote, Very swiftly, much faster than 51. Now, two Civil Aeronautics Authority employees on the ground also reported seeing the object. Uh, So this is obviously a pretty solid story. Uh, And once again, newspaper reporters catch wind of this thing, and they interview Gorman. Now, following the encounter, Gorman told a local newspaper, quote, I've never seen anything like it. If anyone else had reported such a thing, I would have thought they were crazy. So even Gorman himself, he knows this sounds like some whimsical sci-fi tale, you know? He even thinks this thing is fucking crazy. Imagine what everybody else thinks. Uh, now, the official narrative, T-Bag, this is for you. You're an official narrative guy. Um, so as with the other two cases, this one is yet again investigated by the U.S. Air Force under Project Sign. Uh, and now during said investigation, a Geiger counter was used to take measurements on Gorman's plane, revealing Mm. heightened radioactivity. So remember, Mm. the thing passed over his canopy at 500 feet, higher radioactivity on his plane. But, I mean, this does seem odd at first glance, although uh, what happened happened back in 1945? The nuke? Atomic bomb, yeah. 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 And I was actually like, uh, there's something that I think this can be explained as like a side effect of flying at high altitude. Radioactive? Like, yeah, you're exposed to um, greater radio waves and that type of shit. It's actually very scientific. We won't get into it. <laughs> um, but, you know, government investigators also noted that Gorman himself did appear to be a credible witness, saying that he, quote, did not make the impression of being a dreamer. He reads little and only serious literature. He spends 90% of his time hunting, fishing, drinks less than moderately, smokes normally, and does not do drugs. He appears to be sincere and serious individual who was considerably puzzled by his experience and made no attempt to blow up his story. So, you know, this is a credible guy. This is a stand-up guy. Guy doesn't drink that much. He smokes regularly. Yeah, he he hunts and fish. This is a fucking all American <laughs> pilot. Regular guy. Yeah, he's just a, a regular guy. Um, and now, nonetheless, after the initial investigation, the U.S. Air Force chalked this one up to anyone, anyone, Adam. What's the weather balloons? Yep, you guessed it. Weather balloon. <laughs> oh now this God. is, I mean, this is classic, and this works every time in the forties and fifties, I guess. Like, ah, it must be a weather balloon. Yeah, what's that? You know the <laughs> meme where the guy's like slapping the sticker on the on the. We need to make that with like the water I leaking got it. out is and like it's just weather balloon. No, the water <laughs> leaking out is like UFO yeah, sightings the in the forties. The guy is the U.S. government, and then the tape is just <laughs> weather balloons because. <laughs> That's like... Don't tell everyone our meme secrets, I'm just saying. We'll release the meme, but it's like anybody doing that, 
They're just chalking it all up to weather balloons. Like, how many fucking weather balloons these guys release? That was a top secret weather balloon we had going in the area. Now, to go off of that, we'll play off that. We'll play Skeptic's Corner for a minute because the Air Weather Service in Fargo did reveal that it had released a lighted weather balloon 10 <laughs> minutes before Gorman Weird. first saw the object. Uh, now, investigators jump at the chance to use this as the explanation, confirming that obviously this was the most likely cause of the UFO. They travel at speeds of 700 miles per hour. <laughs> exactly. We'll what, get- did it have a, a hole in it and shooting around like deflating? <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Like a cartoon. You ever seen Tom and Jerry? <laughs> hey, that is actually a good theory. That's a strong theory, T-Bag. Uh, now, so the weather balloon would become the official cause of the encounter in Project Blue Book's files. I didn't know that uh, weather balloons are known for zip sorping. Exactly. You're probably asking, weather balloon, how's that? You know, how's that fly around Gorman? How's that outmaneuver his plane? Well, in the report, they said that those were due to Gorman's own maneuvers as he tried to chase the bright object, his high speed gave the balloon the appearance of moving in the opposite direction. Chasing Venus. <laughs> yeah, now, also in line with this theory, the investigators noted that Jupiter, on that particular oh. date, had a particular bright appearance in the sky, hypothesizing that Gorman had been attempting to chase the bright dot of the planet at the same time the weather balloon was in range. So what are we thinking? I mean, this one in particular, like with the other one, the guy just went straight up, you know, like he did yeah. not, he didn't claim that he was maneuvering in any way. He didn't say this thing came right at him. Like this guy was fighting with the thing for 30 minutes and said this came at his <laughs> ship numerous times, went over his canopy. He w- blacked out trying to turn with it, you know, like what well, are we also, thinking Also, there's here? other witnesses that saw it. So that one okay. makes this a little bit more credible. And the... Weather balloon, while that might have fit the description of the other one we talked about, definitely I don't see a weather balloon just shooting around the sky at 600, 700 miles an hour. Okay. And also like blinking and then blinking, staying solid yeah. when he got it to it. Teabag. clear. Okay. Okay. Teabag, what are we thinking? Uh, I got a couple of thoughts. First, you said, how, how big was this? Six is it eight feet? Inches. So very That's small. Six, yeah. Wow. That, that's weird to me. Yeah, yeah. and, and this does kind of remind me of the Foo Fighters because, you know, the Foo Fighters, they were very small, um, like, balls of light. That's why they chalked it up to ball lightning because they said it, was, it wasn't it was like, you know, a saucer or a, or a UFO, like, shooting around. It was just like a small little uh, ball of light, like uh, maybe like Casper up there flying around. Mm. Flaming and balls. Just- just to double check, Gorman, how are we spelling that? G-O-R-M-A-N. Now, see, I'm wondering, this is my video game nerd coming out. Uh, for all you Zelda fans out there, we got the Gorman brothers in Majora's Mask who are trying to rob this ranch, and they use these, like, alien invasions, but they're like balloons, so it's all starting to make sense and connect now in my head. Okay, so we're thinking the Zelda creators were just, like, really into UFOs? I think, you know, a little shout out, a little nod, a little hat tip. Okay. But in terms of the case, are we thinking logical explanation? Maybe this was Jupiter. Maybe this was a balloon. Or are we thinking there's something more at play here? I mean, the whole dance, if you will, they got all the maneuvers going on. 
like I said, unless this balloon's deflated and like going out of air, I don't see how that happens. But then you got old boy saying he blacked out, but he came back and drew the map. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Something's not adding up here to me. This does sound like the most credible, though. Okay, he he blacked out in a turn. So this is like, you know, in Top Gun, when Tom Cruise is like describing to the lady, I was doing it in, I could see his canopy because I was inverted, doing a turn at four Gs or whatever he says. This Look is at like Tom's that. body. Not an <laughs> yeah, ounce of fat yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah. This is like that. This is a highway to the danger zone. This guy's pulling <laughs> top gun maneuvers out here. But he blacked out. He blacked out, but he came too. He didn't die like Mantel. Did Tom no, black did out? Probably. Did Tom black out? <laughs> I don't know. You have to ask Tom. <laughs> I don't think he did. But okay. he did, you know, freak out, join Scientology. So that's a whole nother topic for a different day. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so getting out of that, like, let's get into some theories here because I've got a couple. So there's a bunch of theories popping around on this one. Um, maybe it was another plane. Could this have been some secret craft being tested? Maybe some type of Russian spy craft, some type of drone, perhaps? Ooh, what yeah, do we think of that? Precursor, okay. Yeah. Do they even have drones back then? Well, exactly. We wouldn't know about it. So maybe that's what this thing was. <laughs> mm. There's a high-tech weather balloon. Oh, okay. <laughs> so are we throwing out the another plane theory? I'm just kidding. I like the, the drone thing's got me thinking, man. Okay, so perhaps a drone, perhaps a secret rocket test. Mm. I mean, this is the Cold War, Red Scare, rocket science is at its height. You know, the spy game's getting crazy out there. Mm. Now, the only reason I'd Especially say... Especially in North Dakota. Yeah, and maybe... <laughs> <laughs> now, the only thing I'd say, maybe like rocket test... Is the child's whited one that could have been like a rocket, right? Because they saw the it whizzed past at like 10 seconds. They said they saw windows, it was lit up. Like that could have been maybe some type of Nazi V2 rocket. It wouldn't have windows on it though. Yeah, windows. There's windows on shuttles, SpaceX. Yeah, but I'm saying I'm, I feel like that's more of just an embellished story because it's okay. like cooler than being like, oh yeah, I saw a fucking okay. meteor fly by the planet. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, it had windows on it. It was going 800 <laughs> miles an hour. How the yeah. fuck are you going to see the <laughs> this, windows on it? And furthermore, <laughs> this fucking light ball, like that's not a rocket. Yeah. A rocket doesn't outmaneuver the plane and fly black, fly, fly back at it and play chicken. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it was one actually just his plane causing that. Now That's one one theory I did read points out the quote unquote possibility that someone was playing around with rocketry. So even though there was no known test facilities or scientists in Fargo in the Fargo area when the encounter took place, you know we had all the Operation Paperclip Nazis. They were on the missile grounds in White Sands, New Mexico. And rocket guru Robert H. Goodard, he had died by 1945. You ever seen the movie Flyboys? That's, I think you're thinking of October yes, Scott. Yes, I am. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we got <laughs> a regular, thing. yeah, we got like a regular Homer Hickam out there. Uh, un- just shooting rockets <laughs> Just shooting up. rockets up. Like, he's like just fucking around with rockets. He's this brilliant rocket scientist, but he's like, his dad makes him want to like work the coal mines. Yeah. Do they have coal mines in Fargo? Never been. Okay. Or is, is it like some type of <laughs> farmer kid and his dad's like, yeah. Rockets, what are you doing, boy? Get back on the fucking farm. <laughs> yeah, maybe Out here kid. playing around with rockets. You did the stupid rockets, boy. <laughs> you think you're some type of Russian over here? And maybe this kid is shooting off rockets that are, you know, killing these pilots. 
Killing. Mm. Well, the mantel, he uh, got killed. But maybe this, yeah, maybe this could have been some type of rocket. Uh, that's another theory, yeah? Mm. Maybe. But again, a rocket, you know, especially in that age when it was at its most elementary state, like a rocket's just going to go straight up. It's yeah. not going to like, it's not like this guy's making fucking satellite guided missiles and like you know this kid in fargo yeah uh now going off the drone theory maybe this was some type of crazy alien probe like we discussed in our foo fighters episode i mean the gorman case specifically like we said very reminiscent of the foo fighters be sure to check out that episode if you haven't already right you know as we said this was a, a small ball of light um, the Foo Fighters were also described as white, and they had various other colors. Maybe this is some type of, as we said, alien drone coming down to take a look at us. Yeah? Okay, I'll bite. Okay, okay. I mean, even like, um, or maybe like if we don't buy that it's a drone, maybe, now this is my theory that I've whipped up, maybe it's some type of like laser pointer, you know? Maybe the mm. aliens have some type of high-tech interdimensional laser pointer and they're just fucking with us like a cat. Oh, God. You know, or maybe they're just using it to take measurements or something. You know, they're just having fun with some type of laser pointer type device. Just flying it around like 700 <laughs> miles I guess. an hour. I mean, it's a little laser pointer moving around. That's what it reminded me of, like a something that small. Yeah, um yeah. But also going off of like taking measurements and it being a drone or a um, probe, this kind of does have a relation to the TikTok UFO because again, with the Mantel case and I think with the Gorman case, they were saying like this thing hovered off the ground and moved really fast and it would shoot straight up after moving side to side. Like this again, you know, the Gorman case seems like it's just like the Tic Tac UFO from 2004, you know? Like, um, what is it? Commander Fravor is the guy who saw that. He even said, like, it went straight down to the ocean. It was, like, hovering above the ocean and then went, like, straight up. up. Yeah. Like, what that seems to me like is that it's taking measurements, correct? Possibly. Or maybe it's just some crazy alien technology that we don't even know about. world may never know. But I'm saying if we go to a more sinister place, maybe it's taking measurements of the Earth to come back, you know, see if it's good, suitable for them to take over. Maybe they're going, uh, hitchhiker's guide. They're measuring it to blow it up, dude. I mean, hey, 2020 is their year. January 1st, <laughs> aliens are coming, right? I thought it was December. Well, December 31st, aliens are coming. <laughs> Could be December 1st. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, maybe they're coming for New Year's to kick off 2021. Aliens landed. You've seen the metal monolith in Utah. I just saw a picture of it. I didn't really read about it. And did you see Been that? Been a it, hell of a year already. Did you see that it went missing? I did not. Okay, well, oh. there we go. So, I mean, there we go. A conclusion on this one. I mean, so George Gorman, he died in 1982. Poor went out for him. It's no longer with us. Uh, after the incident, he eventually returned to the Air Force full-time, retiring at the rank of Lieutenant Colonel in 1969. Uh, now, throughout his life, he maintained his silence in regards to the incident, never speaking publicly about the encounter again. Though, according to the Bismarck Tribune, he did tell his close friends that, quote, he was never convinced that he had been dueling with a balloon 
for 27 minutes. So, I mean, there we go. This guy, like we said, all-American guy, credible witness. If we take his word for what it is, there's no way this guy says, an experienced pilot, no way he was dueling with a balloon. You know, he would know the difference, and he's not convinced. (laughs) He would know. Yeah, I think this case seems the most plausible out of the three that we discussed, for sure. Okay, that it's some type of unidentified craft. Yeah, I'm not buying the weather balloon theory in this one. Yeah, you buying the weather balloon theory? I'm Does not. That hold up. I'm subscribing to the uh, Tic Tac theory. Okay, that it's some small type of alien device. Whether it's measuring stuff, who knows? Okay, and so they've been doing measurements for a hell of a long time. If this was in fucking 1948, and they're still doing it today, <laughs> yeah, well, 2004. But so you're thinking maybe this is? Do you think related, or maybe it's some type of different thing than the Tic Tac? You know, like it could just be some Russian probe or something, or yeah, I guess could be some Chinese probe. Hell, it could be from Canada. Okay, yes. so you're not fully convinced that it's extraterrestrial or interdimensional. No. Okay. Now, teabag, what about you? Are you thinking this could be from another country, or are we fully convinced that this is either interdimensional or extraterrestrial? Man, six to eight inches. Sounds like you. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, you didn't say centimeters or anything, so it can't be from another country. It's got to be extraterrestrial. Okay, there we go. Now we got a TLDL for this one. You know, the people haven't heard that in a while. You were off the last episode. You got to give them what they want. Well, TLDL to round us out. TLDL, you know, some strange things happening in the late 40s over here in the U.S. Um, Russian all listeners, you know, if this was your people, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and we know you just, love hearing from us. <laughs> yeah, like I said, strange things happen in the skies in the U.S. in the 40s. Are they extraterrestrial? Are they weather balloons? The world may never know. Okay, there we have it uh, to round us out on this one. So, <clears throat> want to go ahead and cite www.history.com an article by Colin Bertram uh, also want to cite ufocasebook.com and project1947.com and once again guys want to thank everybody who has shown their support we had a lot of orders coming in on the new pins get those while you can and we have sold out in a few sizes of the t-shirts. So, you know, we got a couple left on our original run of t-shirts. So pick those up while you can for the holidays. Uh, they won't last long. We probably won't reprint those. We're coming out with another couple designs. And on that, you know, hope you guys are staying safe out there. Uh, increase the peace, everybody. And on that. Loyal Legion, as always, thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Shout out to Russia. Apparently, we're trending out there. <laughs> Appreciate the love. Uh, just wanted to, you know, once again say thanks for all the support you guys have been showing us on the website. Um, as always, it's podcastfromouterspace.com if you want to check that out. Or if you want to hit us up, slide in those DMs, Podcast from Outer Space on the gram. And thanks, guys. Yeah, we appreciate you all taking time to tune in. Uh, shout out to my boy Jimmy Steele and the folks over at Beale Racing. Check out Work for It Apparel, Fern Semi Famous Barbecue, and the Eisenhower Brothers. And uh, shout out to all our frontline workers out there, anybody who's out there working right now. 
You know, we respect what you guys are doing. Make sure you're giving us a listen while you're on the clock. And if you're not working, you should already be listening to us anyways. So long and thanks for all the fish.